Where's Steve? I don't know. Okay, <laughs> ready? One, two, three, go. One of the things I'm going to definitely talk about is how many extra extras I've had versus less than Steve. <laughs> the real reason is I just want the distance between me and Steve and less to be. <laughs> to, to keep getting bigger, yeah, bigger, until it's so impossible for them to catch up. They'll never catch you. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, so I'll, I'll say I'll say something like that. It's May 2023. This is the Snow Day podcast. It's an extra extra. It's me and George at World Headquarters. Conchita's about to turn 80. Mother's Day's coming up. Here are a few thoughts about our moms. I am hitting start right now on a 30-minute timer, so we cannot go beyond that. So you're in town just for four quick days, um, like totally just because of your mom's birthday. Yeah, I had actually planned this in January where I had taken a couple of weeks off, and my hope was actually to take my mom to Portugal for her 80th. You know, eight decades on this earth around the sun is pretty cool. And I just couldn't convince her. So I said, okay, next best thing. We'll, uh, every, all of the kids will meet up in Thompson and, and hang out. And I've shown up on, I mean, perfect weather. It's sunny. There's no clouds. It's warm. Uh, your basement's a little bit cool. I had to borrow some socks from Marnie. <laughs> it's a little bit cold in the Krentz basement. Yeah. You did bullseye like this might be our nicest week of the summer. <laughs> Honestly, it's been crazy. Sunny blue sky. Uh, I've got crazy itchy feet. It looks like the ice will be off the lake, which is uh, a week earlier than it often is. And so I'm, yeah, I'm dying to get out there and have a look around at Studio P. So the only other check-in probably is our trip out to Miami. That's the big one for us. Marnie and I did the run. We saw Debbie Foster and uh, had a couple amazing days with her. I have some audio that her and I recorded after this Tiki Boat tour that I'm still too embarrassed to even listen to because I was a little bit upside down from the Tiki Boat uh, experience. I love the pictures that you sent. After you were sending these pictures, I was thinking about how uh, chaffed Les was. He's never had that experience knowing her for three decades. He's all, what the fuck? I've never had this kind of attention. And uh, I'm the one that introduced you to these guys. So that was hilarious. And then number two, I actually reached out to Debbie Foster going, oh my God, I want to come out to Florida if I get this kind of, you know, treatment. And she's all, come on down. It'll be so awesome. My husband really liked you. Uh, Less just so that you know, I'm going to Florida. I'm getting the fucking platinum treatment and I'm going to elevate it. Like if you got a tiki uh, tour, I want like an eyes wide shut sex party in Florida with all Republicans. (laughs) And I want a helicopter to pick me up at the airport. So, Foster, this is the level of service I want when I get down there. <laughs> the The whole trip was fun. We went and saw some pro tennis, too. Pretty cool. We saw all the Canadians and got on TSN and, and the whole thing. So, yeah, that was good. Uh, the other guys aren't here, but their check-ins would sound something like this. Where is Steve? I don't know. Okay, that could they're, be the catch-up. That could be the, the thing. Right there. That's the catch-up. We have no idea where <laughs> Stevie is. And, uh, of course, Les is... Uh, living his best life overseas. He's moved over to Europe to sort of fulfill a dream of his. So uh, he's staying in the Latino quarter, which is where I stayed last year with the fam. Okay. So I know where he's at and he's just in this, uh, you know, amazing part. I mean, Paris is just amazing as a city, how beautiful it is. So yeah, it's, uh, I'm sure it's amazing. Him and Alex are having a great time. 
he's he's just left the pod group chat silent <laughs> since he left. Probably not on purpose. It just happened. So yeah, and it's kind of nice to unplug like completely. He's got to make sure his uh, his swimmers are in top notch shape. <laughs> He can't be stressed he out. He can't have the influence of us. Yeah. <laughs> there, can, there can be no stress. <laughs> you go to Paris for a reason. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Les treated us to an amazing dinner too. He took took me out for my birthday, and uh, and then he he picked up dinner for everybody at this crazy Chinese restaurant. There was a four foot noodle that we had, and all kinds of other like insane food, and we had a super awesome time that night. It was it was great. So. Got to thank Lester for that one. We we owe him one. I do anyway. Yeah. I got fuck all from him. Yeah. You, absolutely zero from this guy. <laughs> I love it. Mother's Day is tomorrow. Uh, Marnie had to remind me of that. I like perennially fuck this up because I said, yeah, George and I think maybe we could just do the pod on Sunday night. And she's like, no, <laughs> it's Mother's Day. You're <laughs> buying me flowers <laughs> and making me dinner, Bruce. <laughs> Pretty much is the story. I almost feel like our mums, when we were kids, were in a bit of a funny zone for mothers because that's when it was like coming out of the 60s and 70s where you were sort of expected to be a housewife and a homemaker and, and a little, in our world anyways, I feel like that's changed quite a bit. Like there's, I don't sort of have that same expectation of Marnie. She worked full time basically the whole time we had kids. And I think before and after that little piece of history was more like it is now where everybody kind of worked to keep the household going and it's probably fair to say that out of all of our mothers my mother had the most traditional mother role like as the immigrant mother role where she you know was not allowed to work she raised the children and only until Bonnie and I became old enough that uh you know I remember my mom saying no I want to make my own money I've immigrated to this country for a better life. And I remember that was an issue because my dad also being quite traditional. So for me, definitely, you know, my vision of what a mother was and then, um, you know, the mothers in my life later on has changed dramatically, which I think generally for the better, obviously. Um, but I remember my mother saying something very interesting to me when I started to become a father and, you know, we were talking about the differences and she says, you know, George, you're, you're caught in an interesting time where your mother and your dad had such traditional role clarity. And I think that's a big theme for me is that when we were growing up, there was clarity in the roles. Mm -hmm. Like there, there was no, there was no, uh, uh, the division wasn't an issue at all. Like dad brought home the bacon and mom cooked it. And so as I was trying to push off that traditional mother father role, my mom said to me, you know, I can see that you're struggling. You're trying to be this awesome dad as you're building your career, but your mom and dad showed you something completely different. It was probably the one of the most thoughtful things my mother's ever said to me when she saw me struggling to be like a good dad, not like this disciplinarian. Uh, my dad was not very verbose. He didn't say anything. And it was actually my mother that noted you're trying to be both your um, your mom and dad, and you're going to fail if you try to do both well. And it it I've actually kept that as a piece of advice. And I see uh, women in my career also struggle where they're trying to be an awesome mother, an awesome doctor, an awesome professional, an awesome partner. You you just can't be amazing at everything. You're right. Like Marnie struggled with that. I wouldn't say struggle with it, but it's exactly what you said. It was a full time teacher and a professional and also there was still this sort of expectation that you're a full-time mom and so how do you 
how do you do that, right? And that bled into, same thing for both of us, my involvement with our kids was different than what my dad was, because he was probably not quite as yeah. 100% clear in that role as your dad was, but it was still a little bit different, whereas yeah. now we've sort of blurred those two, for better or for worse, I guess we'll find out. <laughs> Yeah, they're going to have a pot of how much we screwed them up. Yeah. <laughs> I needed a father, Bruce, I, not a mother. I needed clarity. <laughs> who's, who's who around here? <laughs> What's some advice you've got from your mom? I could be wrong, but when I picture what happened in your house, because it was sort of an immigrant style, mm. I feel like you got clearer advice than I did. Like that there was times when it was like, this is what you should do, or that that was a little bit more clear to you. Whereas looking back, I... I really can't remember any like very definitive, this is what you should do, but just more lots of conversations and lots of gentle nudging. But it, w it wasn't, I don't think our style wasn't the same as what you grew up with. No, in fact, I would say that my parents barely spoke to me uh, about advice. It was, they showed mm. me what, a man is supposed to be they showed me what a mom is supposed to be so it is interesting i'm trying to think of the words on how you get advice not by words and i'm i'm losing it but uh yeah it was a demonstration they mm -hmm. demonstrated to me and so i think about you know my mother demonstrated to me or the advice that she gave to me is my mom is very touchy-feely like she's very mm -hmm hands-on you know when you met her today to say happy birthday she immediately hugged you right so she's a very touchy-feely person um and i remember if we're, we're talking about the best and the worst advice for me the best and the worst advice is the same thing and that's finish your plate mm. um the that whole thing about her growing up poor and you should respect what you have and how you've earned it and you should always save and you should eat everything on your plate because you don't know when the next meal is I carried that finish your plate attitude, not just for meals, but for everything. And lots of times it's good advice, but lots of times it's bad advice because sometimes you need to leave something on the table, mm. uh, whether it's food because I over gouge myself or not necessarily win that argument. Uh, you do you know what I mean? Like yeah, the, yeah. The, the leaving everything finish your plate means you're finishing every task to completion. And sometimes I wish I could have just, you know what? I don't need to do that today. I don't need to win that today. Uh, I can give myself a break. So uh, I don't think she under probably understood that, but that finisher plate is both the best and the worst advice for me. This was advice that my mom fed back to me. She might not think she gave it to me as advice, but we've talked about this a lot. And she always says, you always bloom where you're planted. And so you went to Joe Haven and did everything there was to do in Joe Haven, right? We went hunting on the land and we met people and we traveled around and then came back to Thompson and, and some people would say, oh, you're stuck in Thompson, but we've like made a great life here and, and just wherever you go. And she always says, you show that. But I think because she always said that to me, I've internalized that and I do that as much as I can, right? And, yeah. and again, it's a little bit what you said. Now I sometimes probably have a little bit too itchy of feet, right? Like I want to do more and more and more like right. constantly, right? Like have 20 projects on the go and sometimes, or not even projects, but just activities. And maybe sometimes you got to step back and smell the roses <laughs> instead of just blooming where you're planted. If, if that's like melding two analogies, but I mean, I've loved yeah. all the things that I do. Uh, this is a lifestyle I like, but I think that was kind of on some of her advice where she said, you know what, like, it doesn't matter where you are, make, make the best of it. 
I'm glad you brought that up. I actually use that piece of advice. I, I quote your mother all the time. <laughs> the bloom where you're planted, I think it is one of the best pieces of advice. And uh, where I see young people struggling in their careers and they're not where they're actually thinking they're supposed to be, I quote your mom. <laughs> I quote your mom all the time. So I'm glad that you brought that up. That is a great piece of advice. Along a little bit more practical line, because I sort of thought, what are a couple of sort of advice or teachings? And one of the funny things that uh, that I think about all the time is cleaning the kitchen. And so when we were young, obviously everybody took kind of took a turn cleaning the kitchen. Yeah. And for some reason, that's something that stuck with me of all the pieces of that puzzle. So you got to wipe the counters, you got to, you know, get all the dishes either cleaned up or put in the dishwasher and then sweep the floor at the end was always sort of the big one. Right. And uh, every time I clean the kitchen, I sort of flash back to her, like giving me that practical lesson. Now I haven't done a great job of passing that on because <laughs> around here, our kitchen never gets cleaned very well. So I, I should probably spend more time passing that one more generation down. The only funny part of that is she came to visit Deke and I when we first moved into an apartment and it had been months that we were there and we didn't even have a broom. She was like, hey, I'm going to sweep this floor for you. Where's your broom? And we both looked at each other. So she went out and bought us a, our first broom for our apartment, which is funny how that didn't cross my mind, but it, it's embarrassing. You know what? I wouldn't have considered you a, a neat person because you're not. No, that's true. <laughs> and I remember Steve and I visiting you, Deke, and maybe Shanks. You were living in some house, and you guys hadn't washed a single dish in two weeks. So you were used every utensil, every dish, and then you would have like rock and roll dishes where you would wash every piece <laughs> of thing. And I remember walking in, and, and Steve and I were quite neat. Like when we lived together, and I think Steve and I, you know, share that. I mean, all of Conchita's children are like neurotically clean. Like we're kind of Seinfeldish in that way, uh, which sort of drives my kids and Megan a little bit crazy. But I'm also like that. I can't not stand uh, brooming my kitchen mm -hmm. two or three times a day. So it's funny that we share that. My mother and my father in this case, but more my mother because she was classic, the matriarch. And so she took care of the house. My dad was everything outside the house. My mom clearly ruled the roost is despite having very humble home, a very small home, even for Thompson standards, the amount of respect that she showed me towards your possessions and that, and that's something I, sh I tell my kids all the time. It doesn't matter what you have, no matter the size of your nut, you need to respect your nut. And so I have that from my mom a lot. She has a tight ship at 48 Humlock, tight. And I have, I've carried that on. It doesn't matter what you have. If you have pride and respect in what you have, it feels bigger. It matters more. The weight. It, yeah, I get that from my mom for sure. That's good. And you're right, that, that house I lived in with those guys was disgraceful. Like, oh, look, looking back, it was unbelievable. I, I think about that sometimes. It was insane. And it's funny, I've got to where I am now. Are you the only one that walks around in socks at your house? Because that's part of the reason the dirty floor drives me crazy. Marnie wears slippers with like a, you know, a thick sole so she doesn't feel every crumb. And I do, and it drives me bananas. I take it a step further. I walk barefoot. Ah. Yeah, it, 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 it's funny that we're talking about kitchens and the <laughs> traditional mother role of always being in the kitchen. Now, you and I are obsessed with the, the cleanliness of the floor. Yeah, I, uh, I, being neat is really important to me and tidy uh, and uh, almost minimalistic. Uh, and I get that from my mother. Uh, and I, th I think if you clutter your life with things, which is another big thing for my mother, is having less things. 
you have clarity. Well, and the other, I guess, practical lesson, but it's kind of an analogy for for probably my relationship with my mom was uh, when we first moved to Thompson, we bought World Headquarters for Snow Day podcast. Marnie was pregnant, so she didn't want to paint. So my mom and I painted the whole house. We were still living with her. So we, every night we would come here and she came and helped me paint. And we just had the most amazing week or week and a half. We came and hung out and we were, um, you know, just chatting. Uh, and she taught me how to paint ceilings. And so it, it's not super hard. That was kind of a practical lesson. But all of our lives, we've talked a lot. And I don't think about... Um, I can't specifically tell you about anything we've talked about, but I know we've always, like even when I was younger through high school, like at night sometimes we would just sit and chat like you do, right? And then once I moved away, we sent long emails back and forth or had phone calls, right? So we've yeah. always had kind of like just a long ongoing conversation. Like I can go back and I have reams and reams of emails and long letters. Some of them she typed while she was at work, which kind of cracks me up. <laughs> like I think now I could sit down and Government do Government employee. Hour. Yeah, <laughs> half hour of sending that. And so... Uh, uh, but but yeah, that the house painting thing was just so great, and we were going through a pretty not a, a big change in our lives, right? We had a baby coming, we were buying a house, and so it was nice to have that support and just you know spend all that time with her, just sort of talking about how that was going to go. My mother has been much more conversational later in her life. I think both of my parents were concentrating so much on living the immigrant dream, making sure our kids were healthy, wealthy, and wise, getting them to university because there was no other option. Like there was no chance I was working at the mine. Like both of them, that was the only thing I would hear over and over again. You can do whatever you want, but you're not working at the mine. Mm -hmm. uh, we didn't come to this country so you could be a mine laborer, which of course there's nothing wrong with that because this mine has given me everything I have in my life, including <laughs> you, right? This The yeah. mine gave Tom, created Thompson, but for them it had to be better. And so I think they were so preoccupied with that, so working so hard that I don't think they had space in their brain to think about, you know, extracurricular stuff, mm. right? Like yeah. it, it was always about this is this is our mission. And so for sure, as my mother has gotten older, she, she talks way more because now she has the space. She's not worried about where I'm landing or her kids are landing. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's all, it's, it was all business before, right? And, and that, that's what it was for us. And I think that's what, I know my mom said it before, and I appreciated it too when we did find those moments to not just be business, right? Where you were just kind of talking about what's going on with your friends and what's going on in, in the world and a little bit about, yeah, where, where are you going to where are you gonna end up, right? And so um, the other sort of funny thing that I think my mom passed on to me and is around that business, like just an expectation that you would work, you know? And again, it wasn't like, yelling and screaming about you got to get a job but it was always hey i heard about this job opportunity i heard about that right and and so i had lots of lots of jobs and i think some of that work ethic came from her right again it wasn't yelling and screaming but it was just sort of like a gentle nudge in that direction and i appreciate it right i've had lots of interesting cool jobs and i like working so i had that we were just talking about this very point with my older sister luth who i drove up with from winnipeg a couple of days ago and she lived in europe and when she was growing up, she said there was no such thing as seasonal work. There was no summer jobs in Europe. And I see that again with my cousins the last time I was there with Portugal, with my, uh, with my mom and my kids a few years back. Uh, that, just, that doesn't exist uh, in other countries. And so I think we got lucky. But yes, both parents probably the value of making your own money and working hard. And I've actually instilled that into my own children. My daughter has a job. 
and Sebastian is, you know, excited to get his driver's license so that he can make money, uh, you know, because money is pretty important in life. You need, a, yeah. you, you need it. It, it kind of <laughs> greases every activity you have. And, uh, you know, one of the best pieces of advice, and I can't remember if I got it from my mom or my dad, but I, I assume both, is, you know, money doesn't make you happy and it's not everything unless you don't have any, then it's everything. Mm. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Everybody, only people who have lots of money say money isn't important. (laughs) Uh, And, uh, and I remember hearing that going like, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Money isn't everything unless you don't have any. And then it's every waking moment. It's 100% true. Right. That's good advice. I I think I've said this one before. I attribute it to Trump. I don't know if it's true. It's I've been rich and I've been poor. I like rich better. (laughs) (laughs) Like in the end, yeah, you can say you don't need money, but it's, it's, it's pretty good stuff. What have you taken from your parents' parenting and specifically your mom probably through to your kids? Um, and you, you sort of talked about it was, you know, kind of an immigrant lifestyle, I guess. And what I, sometimes I think maybe I've taken this to a fault, but I doubt it was, um, such a gentle household we had, right? So, and maybe sometimes we're a little bit too calm. I say that like life in our house, which I love. And I think our kids have talked about it. Like they said, we like that. It's a, it's like a calm, safe space to be in. Right. And my parents really very much created Mm. that. Um, but maybe sometimes we avoid conflict a little bit and and maybe we should have some harder conversations but that's one thing that i remember from growing up and so that's something that i've consciously taken forward like big time you know i I, it's funny i i completely remember thinking that you and les's house was so different than my (laughs) house you know my house would be uh energized um we're talking and it feels like we're yelling. Mm. E- even when Luth came back overseas and if people have been in my house or have gone to my family, they they say, are you guys arguing about something? And we're like, no, we're not arguing. We're just talking. We're so used to talking over each other and the energy uh, level. So it is interesting that you had a... Di- but I distinctly remember going to other people's houses and thinking, what is this crazy serene energy here? Like, I don't feel that like there's no... Uh, like there's no, it's not, drama's not the right word, but it's just not energized. Yeah, there's, like, there's no life in this place. There's no, like even last night eating at my sister's house and, uh, you know, we're laughing and we're talking loud and, you know, Bonnie's telling this story about how Steve and I somehow traumatized one of her friends in high school or university. I had no idea who this person was. And, you know, she says, you guys were such assholes. And my, my, you know, I'm laughing and my sister, you know, and I'm all like, that, that didn't happen. That did. like, we were just, it, it, yeah, we were like, I'm naturally argumentative. And I think I get that from both of my parents tolerating a minimal amount of bullshit. Like if you said something stupid, you were called out on it immediately. Yeah. And uh, that kind of, I guess, germinated my personality a little bit because I kind of like to stir shit up. Like, I, I enjoy it. Like, if it's too quiet, I want to say something that will, like, yep. get people prickly. <laughs> so there's a downside to that. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, And so one of the things that I've been working on a lot is to get closer to you is to build serenity. Uh, in the house, uh, because I th- there's that part of me that just has to say something, wants to speak up, and I think I've been much better in the last sort of decade of my life. Uh, what I got from my mom would probably be 
her work ethic, and this is where this is where Steve and I are the closest out of the four of us. My mom is like a husky uh, combined with a shark. She cannot stop moving. Uh, she she's fidgety. Uh, if there's not something to do, she's got to do it. And I've and I I saw that I saw this amount of energy from my mother, and uh, and never being tired to do something. Mm-hmm. There was never a time in my life where I got home and my mom said I was too tired to cook. Yeah, <laughs> I was too tired to clean. And so you know, Megan sometimes you know like I'll have a crazy work uh, day or week, and I'll come home and I'll mow the grass at eight thirty at night, nine o'clock at night, or I'll or shovel the walk at six in the morning before. So I. I, I I hate lazy. Out of any cardinal sin, I hate laziness. And I tell my kids, laziness is contagious. Again, everything is good and bad. So I I have to do something. I can relax a lot better than I used to, but I definitely get that from my mom. That that work ethic, you must take care of your shit because no one's going to take care of it for you. The the safety you got about it being a calm space in your house, mine was I knew I could come home there wasn't going to be flakiness in my house. Mm. My dad went to work. He paid bills. My mom cooked. She cleaned. I didn't have to worry about my house not being going in the right direction. And that's what I bring to my house. So that my kids need to know that I'm a rock of Gibraltar. Like I'm not, not going to give them what they need. Because uh, it's interesting because they're starting to realize that. And my daughter, especially, who I think has a lot more empathy and insight than I ever had at her age and perhaps even at my age, is that she notices things about other parents and other households that are different than ours. You know, people come over to my house and uh, they know that two or three people can eat extra. Yeah. Food's always there. If Megan had a piece of chicken that she would divide over three days, like when she was single before she met me and lived on boiled eggs, she'd be fine. And I said, no, no, you kids coming to somebody's house and they're always being food and there's always something to drink. Uh, that, especially for kids, that's such a warm feeling, right? Food, yeah. like food is so comforting. Well, and that's interesting that you say that's what you carry on because that's totally my vision of your house to get invited to come to your house for lunch from juniper school was the creme de la creme right like usually it was your mom's homemade pizza but there was there was always something great there and you're right anytime you roll through it was smelled like good food and like you said 48 hemlock's not a big place no riverside was where the rich people stayed when we were they had the big house but uh we didn't we didn't like them (laughs) the timer just went off we committed to 30 but i i feel like i'm gonna take forward as as a mom we're 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 sort of almost putting ourselves into the mom role now and and interestingly for marnie and i i mean her dad passed away a long time and my dad did as well so we've really mostly had a mom influence i look back and my grandmother spoke to my mom and dad they were close in their own way but because of the time they talked to her a couple times a year and visited once maybe twice my mom moved to Brandon after our kids were pretty young, so we haven't lived in the same place, but she's done a pretty amazing job of staying connected to us and to all of her grandkids, like mm. the, like text and Facebook, all of that stuff, but she makes a real effort to get to know them and has like a relationship that I you know, didn't really have with my grandmother. I'm pretty sure, and as we're talking about what our next steps in our life are, is that we're going to make a point of being close to our kids virtually, but probably in a real space like we will move or we'll make sure that we have like a an even closer connection to them and i think that's what i learned from my mom is she's made a very conscious effort to 
stay connected not just to us but to the whole family which is pretty it's pretty cool yeah no that that is a that is an awesome thing I, yeah i don't know if that's generational because there's no question that all the effect like the vast majority of the affection came from my mother uh, my father was the more traditional like my dad was just a scary guy like less jokes about it all the time you know people eating at my house and uh, you know, wanting to strike up a conversation. And my dad would look at him and say, now is time for eating, not talking, and just shutting it down. <laughs> he does a great he does a great imitation. Even Garth Matson does an awesome imitation of uh, my dad when he used to call. A little shout out to Garth Matson if he's uh, haven't mentioned his name in a while. Phantom Matson makes it back on the pod. Yeah, Phantom Matson. And so, yeah, I, I, I think that's just a, a, maybe a carry forward from that where... It was kind of first or second generation Canadians building a life up in the north in isolation. And they viewed their role as also weaving and keeping the family unit tight. And then that's very hard to let it go away. My mom definitely is, is, is the same way. And especially with them both being widowed and my mom not remarrying like yours. She definitely makes that kind of uh, effort. But now my role is to make the effort for her because she's 80, right? And so that's why I came up here this weekend. That's why I'm going to bring my kids back in two months is I saw all the effort that she did for me. And so now I want to carry that backwards for her. The very last wrap for me is really my mom is the moral conscience of our podcast um, right from the start, like she listens to everyone and calls me right after or texts or, and, you know, has sort of guided us a little bit that there's too much swearing. Less Hanson. Less Hanson. Sometimes you guys are <laughs> laughing over each other too much. Uh, but even in some of the other sort of media stuff I do, she's my biggest fan for sure. But also we joke about this with the North Star, the, the Shaw show we do, uh, very honest about what was good and what was bad. <laughs> so... Which has been fantastic, and it's just—it's neat to have that connection. Well, that's amazing. A little shout out to Dolores Krentz for being a big pod uh, fan. Conchita has never listened to a single second of our pod. I doubt she ever uh, will. It's she's just not uh, tuned in that way to technology. Uh, we may have a new pod lister. My sister Luth asked me about this pod. Ah, she's never listened to a pod. I said, "What the fuck, Luth?" Yeah. Shout out to all the mums. They're a big part of our lives. They have shaped who we are and who we are trying to become. And I thought it was important to give them some love on this weekend of all weekends. Love to our mums and happy Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day. George and I put a little bit more space between Steve and Les, but uh, we'll all be back together really soon. Thanks to the rest of our team, producer Mike, social media Todd, the secret weapon, Shannon Krentz, and my mom, the moral conscience of the Snow Day pod.